Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. Here at Knocking Doors Down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their Race for Autism, Race to Be Drug-Free, and Race to End the Stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. This is Knocking Doors Down. Jason, your host here with a history of a background of addiction and uh, some other traumas. And uh, of course, fabulously tattooed, you sexy son of a gun, Mikey. What is going on, people? Mikey's also faced some different adversities himself. And of course, that's what Knocking Doors Down is about. Taking your adversity and turning it into your advantage. And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Hey, tell a friend. Tell a stranger. We don't care. Pass it along. Mm -hmm. Search Knocking Doors Down on all major platforms. That's Apple, Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. You can go to kddmediacompany.com. Find us there. Jump into the archives. There's lots of great episodes about people overcoming their adversities, turning it into their advantage, and doing great work to give back. And uh, that's what this whole mission is all about and we're helping we're helping people so we thank you guys for the listenership the positive feedback and mikey our guest carmen electra has done just that (sighs) carmen electra yes she has (laughs) you're gonna hear a lady that you may not have uh, because of you know being a celebrity your perception of her might be one thing and it's really uh, one of the things that stood out to me is people think oh i came from you know a ton of money or something like that no she came from cincinnati ohio yeah Worked her way up, Claude. Uh, you know, <clears throat> trained hard, and opportunity presented itself, and she took advantage of it. Sometimes it led to great heartbreak when she talks about relationships with uh, Prince, mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman. Um, you know, she not necessarily by name. I'm, I'm assuming there's some Dave Navarro in there a little bit. Also, yeah. the loss of her mom and sister within a week in of the same one week. Yeah, you know, the heartbreak that that led to, and uh, you'll hear some great insight on how. She really overcame a lot of stuff, including the internal things and the internal perceptions. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I think one of the insightful things that often, especially if you're a person of addiction, or we all have this, is we kind of try to find our identity within our relationships and lose ourselves. It's codependency. Yeah. And she talks about even breaking that cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just a wonderfully insightful woman uh, was such a pleasure. And you guys, this is this is such such a fun one. This is a jam packed episode, and you're gonna enjoy this. Listen, it's gonna go by so fast. Mikey Smiley still blushing. She has me blushing still, dude. She's just just listen to that. You'll know yeah. what I'm talking about. Mikey asked her to marry him. What did she say? Hey, of course, don't forget the Carlos Vieira Foundation. You can go to carlosvierafoundation.org. What is going on right now, if you are a fan of the 5150 Energy Drink, it is uh, available for purchase there now with at a discounted price with all the proceeds going to the Carlos Vieira Foundation and the three programs, the Race to Be Drug Free. That program is keeping kids off the streets in Involved in activities, out of gangs, off of drugs, also the race to end the stigma, where we are taking the the opportunity to um, help those that have been faced with mental health adversities, be it themselves, a family member, it offers scholarships, and of course, the race 
for autism, which mm-hmm. is uh, near and dear to my heart, scholarships for families that are in financial need because sometimes some of these kids, they're, they're, they're not of the highest functioning level and the medical bills add up. And uh, of course, you can go to Carlos Vieira Foundation, find out more about it and apply for these scholarships and programs. That's why we are there. We are there to help you. Uh, it, you know, these are things near and dear to our hearts. So please do go there and you know like i said any purchase of the 5150 energy drinks right now at a reduced price all of those funds go directly towards the carlos Vieira foundation and its programs all right mikey we'll be right back and we'll give the audience the total babelicious just awesome person carmen electra miss carmen how are you i'm good how are you uh, i do well i can't speak for mikey but i'm doing kick ass so <laughs> hi carmen oh how God. are you <laughs> goodness you look fantastic but there's no surprise there thank you for taking the time to uh, talk with us thank you of course of yeah. course thanks for having me by the way how's the the spider bite it's a lot better oh okay. it's a lot better you know what i don't have many fears but i'm afraid of spiders and of course i that's why <laughs> no, I get it. I'm I'm afraid of weird, you know, camping and hiking. I'm totally, absolutely not. I will. You couldn't pay me enough to do that kind of stuff because I'm not down with the weird ass bugs that I've never seen before or anything like that. That's just not me. I'm more of like, let's go get sushi in the city. You know, it's something like that. Like we have AC now. We have <laughs> hotels, room service. We don't need to do all that kind of crap. I, you know, I, I was I was the little girl like tomboy little girl that would catch frogs yeah snakes lizards spiders i'm not down they, they, <laughs> the legs and they're slow crawling and they i, I don't know i don't know <laughs> and then poisonous there you go yeah so yeah I mean, Mike, don't lie. Yeah. I can't get this guy to do shit. I w- two weekends ago, I was at 10,000 feet atop mm-hmm. a mountain near Lassen, and he's like, man, Hell you're, you're no. stupid. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, Carmen, speaking of childhood, uh, th- tell us about, uh, well, not little Carmen at the time, and, and I would like to ask later about uh, the changing of the name, but but tell us about you as, as a little girl. I mean, obviously, you know, talking about being a, a tomboy, but uh, what were you like growing up? How'd you get into dancing? All those things. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and my mom my mom was a singer. My dad plays guitar, so they've always been uh, very open about the arts or you know whatever it is I wanted to do. My mom said I was dancing out of the womb. <laughs> as soon as I was born, I was moving around and dancing, and so she decided to put me into dance classes, um, which then led to uh, dance competitions, um, pageants. And at the age of nine, I auditioned for the School for Creative and Performing Arts and was accepted. And at that point, you know, my dance career got really serious. you know, my major was classical ballet and modern modern dance. Uh, my minor was vocal music and drama. Mm-hmm. Did you so, ever have, when I'm talking about ballet, of course, you know, you tend to think tall, lengthy, lengthy lanky women. Is is that, was that something that you faced? There was maybe a point where it's like, mm, ballet not may not be my route? Absolutely. I, I was I was really into it and I studied hard, you know, and when, when 
when you start, uh, you know, such, um, you know, intense ballet classes with Russian teachers, the real, I'm talking the real deal, um, you know, at a, you know, at age nine, you know, I'm skinny and, you know, haven't hit puberty yet. Right. So I was, you know, doing really well in, in ballet and would always get, you know, an A plus in, 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 in that, um, in the, in the arts. But, um, I remember hitting puberty and, you know, my body was just a little heavier than some of the other girls in the class that went on to go to SAB and Joffrey and, um, and all these other ballet companies. And at that, it was at that point, my teachers were, you know, they're, they're harassing me. I mean, it was, you, they would call you out in front of the class and, uh, you know, and, and t say, you need to stop eating donuts or whatever. Uh, it was pretty brutal. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. You know, we, we would have chairs thrown at us. I mean, it, you know, we're talking, it's very strict. There's a lot of discipline that comes with, uh, with studying uh, classical ballet. Um, and it, yeah, it was at that point I thought, you know, you know, I, I was, I was, I remember I'd eat a starburst for lunch. You know, that's not good. <laughs> you oh, know, man. Yeah, that's not a good thing. And I, I don't know, I, I started to lean more toward jazz and hip hop and, uh, and that's where I felt like I fit in. But it was good because I did have some classical training under my belt, which definitely pushed me, you know, way ahead in, in jazz and, and other yeah. forms of dance. Yeah, because it, it has to be like any other art form, you know, having dabbled in music a little bit or, or acting is what I went to college for. Is If you're taking as many different uh, areas and learning in them, it only enhances the area you focus on, I would think. You know, ballet has come, it, 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 you know, if anything, I can show people like my art, you know, when, if I'm with the dancers and, and we're, whether it was burlesque, you know, throughout my career or, um, you know, any, any kind of dancing or performing, uh, you know, definitely can show, you know, show them I'm a real dancer and, you know, that I trained really hard and, and that's fun. That's always fun. You know, I mean, that's just kind of what we do and, you know, you're sitting around in the studio and you're learning choreography. I remember um, one of the choreographers I worked with would say, show the girls your art, show, your, show them your turnout. And they're like, whoa, you really studied. <laughs> <laughs> so that made me feel good. <laughs> well, and that's really great to hear is I, I think it shows why you've had such a, a wonderful longevity in your career too, is that you, you have studied all these areas and you have utilized them throughout your career. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I tried, you know, I mean, to be honest, Going back to the School for Creative and Performing Arts, mm -hmm. I in in the, in the arts I wasn't shy at all. But when it came to academics, I was a completely different person. I was that emo chick sitting in the back of the class, hair in front of my face, drawing, thinking to myself, "Please don't call on me. Please don't call on me." And I wouldn't. I wouldn't even get up in front of the class and read a book report. I just was super, super shy in that way. Yeah. I was with my friends, I wasn't, but 
don't call me up in front of a group of people. <laughs> so, I mean, I, now you can't shut me up. So I definitely got over that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a good thing. I, we all find that kind of comes with age. I, I, it's funny you're talking about that, and I'm shaking my head. Oh yeah, don't don't call me out at all. Well, me either, and not not because I was shy. It's because I didn't know what the hell the answer was or what the <laughs> hell to talk about, you know. But I'm I can talk in front of people. I can kind of bullshit the answer a little bit, but. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, now, was that kind of a thing that maybe because your parents were more from the arts that the the academia they just didn't see as much value, or they just kind of accepted? Okay, Carmen, she's you know more explorative of of her arts, and that's her expression, and maybe it's just not going to happen in academia. <clears throat> you know, I, it's funny because I told my mom and said I'm not going to need, uh, and I just blatantly told her I said I'm not going to I'm not going to need any of this. I'm, I don't need to learn this. I'm going to, I'm going to be successful, but mm. I don't need to learn this, Right. which is weird. And I've heard a lot of people say that. And when I look back at it, it's kind of a bold statement to say as a little girl, my mom, my mom was super cool. And she, she understood. I mean, I kind of learned my lesson because I, you know, one, one year had to go to summer school and that was <laughs> a bummer. And she definitely don't want to go, you know, to school during your summer off, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I started to try to pay more attention and I slid by, you know? <laughs> I grabbed and I slid right on by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know all too well. So how then, uh, when you transition out of what would be the high school period, wh where did you head from then? Um, I, I auditioned for uh, a show at this amusement park called King's Island. The show is called It's Magic and it was singing and dancing and magic tricks. I was the song half girl. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a big deal to me. I mean, you know, in Cincinnati it's a big deal and I don't know, I was I, I was shocked I I got the you know a part in, in this production and um, and it really, it really helped me. Um, it helped me with my confidence a little yeah. bit. You mm -hmm. know, hey, I, maybe I can do this. Yeah. So when you're you're doing that, how is the transition to the point where you just go, "This is where I'm committing my life to performance, and this is what I'm going to do"? Or like you said, when you were nine-ish, was it already that commitment, and this was just the building blocks towards where you wanted to go? I think what you know when I was younger um, at performing arts, we, we we you know we did a lot of musicals. They were always setting up these big productions, The King and I, The Sound of Music. I did dinner theater, um, so I, I I knew that I wanted to go. I didn't you know specifically know exactly what I wanted to do, uh, but I think at one point Broadway was was what was really on my mind. I think, you know, I think I'm gonna try for Broadway. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I ended up going to the West Coast instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, when you, so when you got out, why, why did you deter from going to Broadway in New York and heading out to the West Coast or did an opportunity come up that took you out West? Um, I, met, I met this girl who was visiting someone in Cincinnati and we were, <laughs> we were at a team club. <laughs> and uh, I was just dancing and she said, oh, you're, 
you're a really good dancer. I could see you being in music videos. And uh, like something in my mind clicked, and I thought, oh, that would be much more fun than Broadway. <laughs> you know, Rhythm Nation, Janet Jackson video. Yeah, yeah. And so she she was really cool and said, you know, you can come out for a week and stay at my house while my mom's in Mexico. Um, and so I saved up my money from the amusement park, and that's then I went out there, flew to Los Angeles. I gave myself a week. I said, I have one week to see how this feels and if I like it. And a lot of things happened in that one week. In a week? Goodness. I moved to LA giving myself a year, and that was, I didn't, <laughs> that didn't work. I'm back here now, but in a week. Goodness, good for you. I mean, obviously, you did well. <laughs> If I had more money, I probably would have, you know, right. wanted to stay longer, but it was, you know, just, you know, I didn't have enough money to, uh, you know, I, had, I think I had 20, 20 bucks in plane tickets, so. No shit. I, that's so awesome because it's such like you hear that, this situation of, uh, that's a really adverse set of circumstances to like, how long do I have to make shit happen? Oh, seven days and $20. So what happened in that week, Carmen? Yeah, what what? Tell us about well, that week. <laughs> uh, we were, uh, you know, like I think I was eighteen at the time, and we were sneaking into nightclubs. And believe it or not, it, uh, you know, there's a lot of it doesn't. It, it's it's so crazy. It doesn't seem real, and I wouldn't you wouldn't ever give advice to someone. Yes, go to L.A. <laughs> and go to nightclubs. Who knows? You might meet the right people, but I remember the first the first offer I received was uh, to dance on Soul Train. Really? And I thought I had made it. That was that was it. <laughs> Are you kidding? I grew up watching Soul Train. Right. I got to, you know, um, do the Scrabble board, dance on a riser. I mean. I, I that's what I thought that I was going to do. And you don't even get paid to do it. <laughs> was Don Cornelius still there doing it's time to take another ride on the big train? Don was there. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh, see, I, when I said it, I loved watching Soul Train. But, uh, okay, so you're at Soul Train, and they, they weren't paying at the time. It's just an opportunity. They weren't paying, but I was really excited. I knew everyone at home was going to watch, and I thought I thought I had made it. To be honest, you know, when I, I never saw myself as a center person. Mm. I always thought of myself as I want to be a part of, like a backup dancer, not not the person in front. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was just interesting how things started to unfold. Within, within that week, uh, I, we had snuck into another nightclub and this girl walked up to me and it was kind of the same thing. She said, I, I have an all girl band that Prince is, you know, putting together for me. You have the look that I want and I like how you dance. Um, will you audition? And I, and I thought, well, yeah, I will, I'll audition for Prince, no problem. So that was kind of the next step. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point in that process, obviously, things came to fruition with Prince, which uh, which I'm a huge fan of. That's how you came on my radar. Um, 
how did how did it go how did I, I've, I've never looked this up, even though I know all these facts. How did the name Carmen Electra come about? So I, uh, to make a long story a little bit shorter, okay. um, <laughs> I auditioned for the band and then I didn't hear anything from Prince and I thought I blew it, I blew it. Um, so a friend took me to Capitol Records and I got a demo deal. Because I ended up with a demo deal, I was able to stay in LA. I'm at the Holiday Inn in Glendale. My phone rings, it's Prince. <laughs> and I was in shock. And he basically said, um, you know, I, I heard your recording demos and I'd like to sign you to my label, Paisley Park. Um, can you come and uh, and listen to, I wrote you a song, can you come and listen to it? So I went to Larrabee studio. It's just, it's so wild. This, I mean, it's just so wild. Yeah. I go to Lar Larrabee studio and he, he, it was a song called Carmen on top. Oh. Carmen. Uh, now my name is Tara. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you don't look like a Tara. Um, and you know when Prince says something, yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm 18, you know, yeah, you don't run into people, Prince, and people like that in Cincinnati normally. Um, and so from there, we started recording, and um, we he he said we need you need a last name, we need, we need to give you a last name, and he came up with Electra and. I thought it sounded like a superhero, but I thought it was pretty catchy. And coming from Prince, I I was down. I said, yeah, let's go. I think if Prince were to rename me, I'd be down. <laughs> you look like a Mark. I'd be like, that's fine, dude. Right on. Mark it is. You look like, yeah. you look like a Mark. You got it, Prince. You got it, Prince. Oh, So you got the recording stuff going with him. You're just 18 years old. This stuff is coming at you fast and furious. How did you... How did you manage? Because this is one of the things that I really want people to understand is, you know, you've been through all these really interesting situations and, and come out on the end being a very strong, independent woman with her own identity. But how at 18 are you navigating these situations and scenarios? Um, you know, the opportunities were right there. They were right in front of my face. Um, and, you know, a little piece of advice that I always give people who ask, is you know study whatever it is you want to do study it and be ready because when that opportunity comes you want to be ready for it otherwise it's not going to match up and if you want to follow your dreams i think being prepared for that opportunity yeah. because you just never know i mean what are the odds we sneak in a nightclub i end up auditioning for prince i yeah. mean it's it's wild it it you know how everything happened coping with you know all of this it was sort of a situation where um i have to go for it yeah. i have to i have to get over my fears otherwise i'm going to miss out on these opportunities yeah. that i'm face to face with and believe you me i was i was terrified when I was in the studio with Prince. Oh, and I'm he's sure. on the other side and I'm in the, 
you know, the recording booth with the microphone. It's kind of shaky and, uh, and, and, you know, he's tough too. Yeah. yeah. He'll definitely tell, you know, if you, if you sang a note wrong, he would, he would bark like. (laughs) However, that's a lot better than getting chairs thrown at you though. He would clown you, you know, he, he was, he has a great sense of humor and, you know, a little sarcasm. So he would definitely let you know (laughs) that wasn't good. And you're just like, Oh my God, can I do this? Can I pull it off? I have, you know, I have to give it my all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what's the point when it, within a, a, a relationship like that, and I mean on a, on a working level, that it's just where you look in the mirror and say to yourself, Carmen, I got to go in a different direction of this now. Yeah. Because yeah. That, that came to fruition. It did. Yeah. That, that did come to fruition. After um, I opened up for Prince, he, he, he asked me to open up for him on the Diamonds and Pearls tour. And that was just another experience of, whoa, this is, I have to pinch myself. It's like a dream. This is insane. Um, And coming coming back off of that, um, I had already recorded uh, my album and uh, we were shooting music videos. Uh, So I, I was spending a lot of time in LA and I don't know, you know, when Prince would go on, leave and go on tour, if I wasn't on the tour, you know, I, I wasn't recording. I was kind of, you know, you know, I didn't have, you know, friends or family there. And uh, and so I thought, you know, he has a house in L.A. He spends just as much time in L.A. I, I you know, I went to him and I just said, can I, you know, is it cool? Can I live in L.A. and take just so I can take dance classes and um, and and stuff like that, you know, where, you know, there's a lot more of that in, in, in LA. He, he was totally cool with that, no problem. You know, we could record in LA, you know, the same as Paisley Park. So yeah, he was open to it. Um, and then, you know, he went on tour and, and I he had me doing a lot of things. Uh, like I said, you know, photo shoots and um, music videos. And I just remember it hit me. And I, it's once again, one of those crazy things that you think in your mind. And I remember saying, you know, at one point it it came down to, he wanted, he said, either you come back to Minneapolis and we keep going, but if you want to stay in LA, you're on your own. And it just came out of my mouth. I'm I'm on my own. Oh, wow. And and uh, I just remember thinking, oh, God, I made the wrong decision. I was living like a princess, you know. Sure. Purple jeans and um, shopping sprees and working, but I felt like I. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why I made that decision. And after that, I struggled. I did struggle. <laughs> I did pretty hard. And and I would kind of kick myself and go, "Oh, you shouldn't have said that. You should. You should have gone back to Minneapolis." Um, yeah, times got a little rough. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's a yeah. part of that innate thing, I think, the necessity to uh, persevere and create our identity. Don't, do, you, do you look back at that and think that it was just... Because at that time, you were 19, 20 when, when you made that decision? I was about 21. Okay. 21 going on 22. I lived in Minneapolis for, you know, a few years, so... Yeah, it, it, it was it was it was just a weird thought, and I said it, and it happened. Um, and I just I remember, you know, I didn't have credit cards, I didn't have a bank account, um, I didn't have a car because the car I was driving I had to return it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> He would always have a bodyguard with you at all times. You know, he was like always, you know, making sure you're safe or comfortable, you know. You know, he, that's just what he would do, you know, with his artists and people close to him. Um, and so I remember not having that, you know, that person that really is taking care of me when he's not around. And uh, yeah, I just, I remember I had a shank um <laughs> <laughs> uh, count and change walking to the payphone. i had a pager i did have a pager i have to watch the payphone i remember sitting watching cars drive by and going you know man i would do anything to have a hoopty right now <laughs> no just i look because i i moved to the valley i was deep in the valley mm -hmm. so really far away from everything it was, it was, that, that was, uh, I think, you know, now that I look back at it, I needed that time because I knew I had to, I was going to have to hustle. Yeah. And I was not going to give up. I was not going to give up. Well, in Hollywood and in, in life in general has thrown a lot of things your way. It's almost like, um, Ironically, we have been watching um, The Last Dance. I've gone through it like three times. We're like, there's Carmen. We're talking to her soon. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that idea of training at 150% for the 100% that life is going to throw at you. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be so tough living in L.A. Broke. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, because... Because of Prince, I had um, really, really nice clothes, and I had my makeup case. And I, you know, if I went out with friends, <clears throat> no one knew. No one knew. Sure. What I was going through, you know. But um, and 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 so then I started to to meet people in the business again, and that cycle, you know, started again. Yeah. Well, at what point? Um at what point is there, you know, the, the segue into where you're getting a little more on-screen stuff, uh, you know, the acting roles and things of that nature start to come into play? I was, uh, I started to get offers to audition. Mm -hmm. And I was scared to death. I mean, you know, I, I want to be a dancer and I'm used to this system, working with prints and, you know, you record and then you shoot the video or it's a live performance, but... And everyone would say, you should get into acting. You should model. Really, but I'm 5'2", and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm short. I'm, you know, <laughs> model, model, everybody be tall. Like, it, it, it just, you know, but I kept hearing it. And acting, 
just scared to death, scared mm-hmm. to death. Um, and it, I would walk out of auditions all the time. I'd go in the lobby, you, I'm waiting in this room, I'm seeing all these beautiful women, and I just thought, I gotta get out of here. And you know, there was a couple people that wanted to manage me and they were kind of testing it out. And one of them said, uh, he, he had worked with Jenny McCarthy and Pamela Anderson, huh. and he said, you will ne- you're never gonna make it. You, you know, you're never gonna make it like Jenny and like Pam. And I remember I felt, kind of pissed me off, kind of, you know, I cried, but I was like, you're not gonna tell me what what's gonna happen. And it, it lit a fire. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Me. You know, I mean, these are two, you know, women that I looked up, you looked up to, and I still do. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous talented women, you know, in, in this, in the business. And so, you know, after getting those fears and just jumping in and, you know, kind of changing the dialogue, you know, yeah. we, have this, we have, we have this dialogue in our head, right? So the dialogue would be, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to make it. You got to get out of here. You're not an actress, blah, blah, blah. you know, you know, the, you know, our minds can mess with us sometimes, right? Yeah, that negative and, self-talk is a son of a bitch. Oh, oh, it's it's wild. And so I uh, I just tried something new, and I thought, you know what? I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna be myself. And uh, MTV uh, MTV gave me my first huge opportunity. And it was fun. MTV was my college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was college, but that was college. And they they taught basically MTV taught us mistakes are good. It's punk rock. Make mistakes. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I like <laughs> that. So it took a lot of the pressure off, you know, and I got to act crazy like I would and silly. Like I would with my friends, yeah. you know, and it really got me out of, you know, those fears. Yeah, you got to, it gave you the opportunity to take who you are, kind of turn it up to 200 and, uh, it, it, hey, everybody's an idiot. It's just sometimes we hide it well and then it's kind of like, screw it. No, I can just let it flow now. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it, I'm telling you, that was, that was the turning point where I was like, okay, Mistakes are all, they're good. Mistakes are all right. We all make mistakes. I'm not gonna walk into everything and be perfect. <coughs> but I can go and do the best that I can. And I started learning how to study more. I, Cause I, I walk in blindly a little bit, but for that, for, you know, it taught me a lot. Singled out, MTVs, all those spring breaks. I just cut loose. I let it all go. Yeah. I let it all Fears go, insecurities go, and I'm like, hey, I'm laughing with you, you know? Well, and it showed because, Carmen, I got to be honest, you had me glued to a lot of MTV at one point, so. (laughs) It Uh, was a blast, I'm telling you. Yeah. So you bring up you bring up uh, Jenny. You bring up Pamela. Um, how was it at the point that Playboy was presented to you, and you decide, hey, because I, I mean, you're mentioning this is one thing that I really want to get across is about with beauty. I have a, a daughter myself, um, mm-hmm. and women that I love, and, and you know, 
and the way of what society puts beauty in. And, you know, I think women and, and men would be surprised that, uh, you know, you had insecurities because, you, you know, you're, you know, you're saying, oh, I'm only 5'2 or whatever. Where, where's the point you went, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. And was it because of empowerment? It was through um, experience. I, you know, I have this thing that I sort of learned. If a lot of people that don't know each other keep keep telling you the same thing about you, there's something to that. <laughs> and I remember, I mean, I, I was at the Beverly Center, shopping, walking around, random people that I didn't know they were all saying the same thing. Are you an actress? No, you should be an actress. Are you a model? No, I mean, I've had photo shoots, but I'm not a model. You should be a model. You should do this. And I kept hearing it from so many different people that it just kind of went in. It went in and I thought, you know, this is bizarre. And I, whether, even if it's something bad, Till this day, good or bad, if I hear, if I, I notice that and I pay attention to it because, you know, we all go through ups and downs in life and, and that's just, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. Yeah. I, uh, just, uh, just prior to this podcast, I had 20 years in radio and I had people that come up to me and go, you know, you got a pretty decent radio voice. Oh, yeah, ironically. Thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, no modeling. No, I was never asked to be in Playboy. They, they, they wouldn't have me. I was too tall. I never got the modeling question either, but in my little stint in Hollywood, I did get asked if I did film, not like ones you would do, uh, the other kind of films, because I've had this mustache You're talking for years. about the ones made in the valley. Yeah, those kinds. I got asked that, and I'm not even kidding. I would get business cards all the time. I don't know if you remember a very fancy sushi restaurant that was on the corner on Hollywood Boulevard. I don't know if I can say the name on yeah, here. You can say Geisha it, House. Do you remember Geisha House? I do. I yes. used to work at Geisha House. So people would come up to me and present me with their <laughs> adult films business cards. And I'm just like, okay, that's the seventh one this week. Not doing it. You know, and it was just, all right, well, maybe I should say shave the stash in Hollywood, but nah, I'm not going to let that define me. I'll just keep, uh, keep going. His mom's very proud of the no. Yeah, my mom's very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what was your experience like w with Playboy, and how do you reflect back on that now? I was given the opportunity to take a meeting. Mm -hmm. I went in, had a meeting with, um, it wasn't with Hugh Hefner, but it was with the people that um, worked for him. And, you know, they just said, you just you have something about you and we would love, you know, for you to test you. And I thought, but I had to go, I had to go, but I was that, I was petrified. I had never shot nude photos before, um, nothing more than a, you know, bikini, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, oh man, is this the direction I want to go down, you know? And I, and I had time to think about it and I thought, well, you know, Marilyn Monroe did the first cover. If, I, if I'm going to do it, I think Playboy is 
you know, is the right place. I, but I have to tell you, when the first, my, my first day of shooting, I, I was terrified again, once again terrified, because they start you off with, you know, a corset and bottoms. And, you know, uh, little by little, you're starting to take stuff off. And you're like, can we clear the set? Because there's like, all- <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that, right? Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know that it, then it, uh, you know, I guess I guess I had a little bit more control because I was offered to be a playmate or to shoot a celebrity pictorial. Mm. I chose to shoot the pictorial because they knew that I'd worked with Prince, even though at the time I I wasn't famous. Um, they knew that you know I, I worked with Prince, and I, I, I nothing against um, being a playmate. I love, I, I know playmates. I love, I love them. Sure, Some sure. really cool, sweet girls. But that's just my my choice was to do it that way, and so I had a little bit more control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they so kind of gave. You the nudes, I still, you still have to do the new photos. I mean, half is like, no, this is Playboy. Yeah. You still have to do them, but you know, you can just kind of pose classier. You don't have to show quite as much. It's just that li- little tiny bit of control. Right. And, and then, did you find that that allowed you to, to <laughs> be include more of your identity as well, as you said, to be a celebrity? So it, it there was people like me that knew you, and then there's people that now it became, they, they went, whoa, look at this stunner. And she did all of this? When when my play, Playboy issue first came out, it, it blew up, and it did. It was it was strange because I started getting fan mail. It was it was just a whole different world, and um, and then I saw the power in in doing so. Yeah. And you know, I, I even in the beginning, I with working with Prince, I wanted to be a sex symbol. I wanted to to do that. My dance teachers don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they honestly have called me to say, you know, they're angry about it. You studied, you studied you, you classical ballet and you have training. Why, w- why would you do that? I was, I, listen, I was broke. I made a nice little amount of money and I was in control <laughs> of the photos and I loved how they turned out. And it did, it, it did take me up. Um, to a different level. Yeah. And mm-hmm. after, after Playboy, that I did get the job at MTV. Oh, okay. I, the, I thought the order was reversed. Yeah, I, sh- I shot Playboy first. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, and how do we how do we get along to the Hoff himself and moving into uh, to the Baywatch era there? Which we actually have a fan question because we p- did put out fan uh, some fan questions. Concerned, one person had one concerning uh, Baywatch. Okay, well, you know, the transition was, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, Playboy uh, meets MTV, you know, uh, it, was all, it all happened so close back to back. I was uh, asked to audition. At that, by that time, when, when, I, when I was at uh, uh, MTV, UTA, it's, it's a big talent agency, they all came down in suits. 
and said, you need an agent, you need this, you need that. And I, and they were great. Yeah. And I went for it. I, I went in. So they called me and said, Baywatch wants you to come in an audition. Pamela is leaving the show and they're looking, looking for you know, some new girls um, to be on the show. So was when your manager told you that you'll never be like Pamela, was that running through your head when that opportunity presented itself? Like, Not yeah. yet, because I didn't know if I was going to get... Uh, okay. I didn't know if I was going to get the role. I was more... But I really wanted it. Yeah, I yeah. Really to be on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, when Jenny left uh, singled out, that thought did run through my right, mind. Right, right. And Jenny's awesome. We, you know, we're really good friends. I love her to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was that moment where, wow, you know, filling Jenny's shoes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I can go back and tell him you're wrong. And I, and, <laughs> and I, I ended up doing that. Who gets to and give the middle was, finger? Carmen gave the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we did have a fan questions out there, Baywatch. I believe it was, who was your favorite, most favorite person to work f- with and who was your least favorite person to work with? We can go more towards the positive if you only want to stick in that area. Uh, okay, my favorite girl to work with was Yasmin Blue. Okay. She, she seems sweet. Yasmin Blue. She welcomed me right away. She's a girl's girl. <laughs> There was nothing weird. She told me everything I needed to know. And we stayed friends for a long, long time. I know she has moved away and um, got out of business. But at that time, it was refreshing. You know, I'm a girl's girl, too. And we just clicked. Yasmin and I clicked. Um, I loved uh, being the love interest of Cody. <laughs> I bet he loved it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he was very sweet. He helped me. I mean, that was my first acting gig mm-hmm. without acting, you know, taking classes really. It, you know, it was kind of, it came up. It was, it was, it was a intense time because I was shooting singled out on the weekends, four shows a day. Saturday and Sunday and Monday through Friday, 12 hour days on Baywatch. But it was like, I got it. I have to do this. Yeah. Sometimes I cry driving home because I was so tired and you get dialogue, like you, the dialogues coming in and, you know, learning, you know, how to uh, look like a lifeguard as much as I possibly could. That was wild. I mean, we had to take swimming lessons and learn all, you know, learn how to look like a lifeguard <laughs> <laughs> and people people don't understand you know you sit and you watch a show and it's 60 minutes how much damn work each individual on a set be it film tv or whatever puts in just to produce a final product you know they think ah handsome guy pretty lady they show up the camera rolls you say some shit and there you go no it's 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 a lot harder than, I mean, I, I would see people look at their sides. David Hasselhoff could look at his, his sides. And when I say sides, it's, you know, you get the script yeah. for that, the scenes for that day. He would just look at them and he knew it. You know, I'm more the type of person, I got to study them, you know, go over and over and over my sides and work <laughs> on it. 
um, and then that that made me feel more comfortable to come in prepared. Um, but yeah, it was wow. That was that was a trip. It you know now now I'm on this you know the number one show in the world, and there's you know people from all every country on set like standing around the beach shooting yeah. pictures. You know it was it was. Uh, it, you know, unbelievable. It, it was crazy. Hmm. I, I, I feel so blessed and I'm really, yeah, I just don't know how it happened so fast, but it did <laughs> and I rolled with it. I got to do it. I have to do it. Was there anyone that was imperative in your life that, that maybe if you were getting a little too big for your britches and the humbleness, because you just sound so refreshingly humble and delightful, uh, that, that kind of, you know, hey, Carmen, come back to center a little bit here yeah I mean I think it naturally happens uh, like fans or you know people uh, that you don't know that recognize you I, I, I remember I, I was kind of humbled you know, when I was at MTV I mean you just think that this is it you know ev- you know everything everything's good uh, which is one of the biggest lies ever, you know. <laughs> okay. You know, everyone always says, "Once I make it, everything's perfect." No, <laughs> no. You just have a lot more people watching you. But I remember going to the mall, <clears throat> and and then all these, you know, like people were chasing me in the mall, and that was my first experience with something like that. Mm-hmm. And, People were being really sweet. They were being really sweet, and then one person said, "Um, "I like Jenny better than you." And it just went, "Well, like, you know, the first time you hear things like that, it just it hits you in a different way." And so I I feel from that point on, it humbled me Mm -hmm. because I I realized that you know, like, you know what? If I kind of if I'm in here. If I'm riding right here, I'm good. Right. You know, but once, you know, you, you, you let your ego get a little out of control, you're going to feel that drop, right? And it comes, you, you know, everything, it just, you know, I, I believe everything comes in, everything's full circle and and just this business is like a roller coaster, right? Yeah. You have moments that it shoots up and then, whoa, somebody said something and you just, oh, yeah, I, I guess in a way, I, I think people look at um, what we do as you know that we mo- maybe don't have feelings or uh, we're live a, a, a very lucky, luxurious, luxurious life with no problems. Mm-hmm. And I will say that there's so many perks. I'm not going to lie um, to being in this business, but yeah, I mean. Things happen. Yeah, uh, you're more on display for people to say. You know, everything has to balance out. So, yeah, you, you know, articles come out, rumors get started. Oh yeah, dealing with that for the first time, that drove me crazy. When things are said that aren't true, if it's true, I'll deal with it. Right. I'll admit it. I'll come face to face with it. But people believe what they read in print. The fact. Yep. And that stays with you. And so there was a time when I, that was really frustrating for me. 
Do you, yeah, have, do you remember what that time was and why? Um, probably around the time I, I started dating Dennis Rodman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Because I was like, damn it, Dennis got her. I'm out. But, but why was that, Carmen? Well, you know, Dennis, Chicago Bulls. Yeah. I get it. Basketball. Uh, you know, Dennis likes to go out. He's a, you know, although there is a very, very humble side to Dennis, he has that flamboyant side too. Um, we met and we clicked right away. And, you know, people, I, I don't think people even believe that it, we really were in love. People think it was a publicity stunt. Right. I would never do that. I would never be in a relationship for a publicity stunt. Um, I really, really loved him. I still love him. I mean, you sure. know, he was yeah. a husband, you know. But, um, but boy, you put put us together, and uh, and we were very passionate. And yeah, I mean, the tabloids went absolutely crazy. Yeah, my managers and everyone was like, "No, you guys." You know, when 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 you're in love and having fun with someone, and listen, I was in my twenties. I'm that's I'm I'm gonna I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but what 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 twenty year? That's the thing I wanted to know is how for you. A, within a, a, you know, a mutual celebrity relationship, did you, you know, maintain your idea, but also be at that phase and be in the moment and enjoy it. Like you said, you're in your 20s. Dennis was mid-30s, I think, or something like that. And, and yeah, you guys were, were in love and you got all these people throwing these daggers. It's total BS. You know, was there a lot of deflecting that? Was that things that caused additional stress? And, I, you know, I just I can't imagine how you dealt with that. Well, you know, I, it, it, it was, you know, to, I was so in love and, you know, when I was, I, I'm in my twenties and Dennis is, you know, believe it or not, he's very romantic. <laughs> he's actually, very, no, I could see I that. Would, I would believe it, Carmen, because I do have to be honest, I'm a big fan. I'm still in my forties. I still do crazy hair and stuff like that. <laughs> so got my nose pierced tattoos. So, All right. you know, All right. I understand. So, but I get it. But I'm a romantic, so I understand. I love, like, yeah, I love. Like, it gets me every time. And you know, he would. Dennis would always say, "I'm nobody gets me. I'm misunderstood." And then I'm, you know, I'm like, no, no, no I, I get you. I get you. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> because I did see this other side to him that wasn't like the, the show, you know. Right. Uh, that he would put on and he's really good at that you know getting attention but um you know you know there were there was a lot of stuff going on i mean i you know i would casually drink but when i was with dennis we we were going out every night and then I, i'm keeping up with the boys right yeah keeping up with the boys and then, you know i had been to probably every strip club in the united <laughs> states don't be jealous <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Dennis had a routine and I was he wanted me to be with him all the time and I was right there with him. And I kind of I remember getting in trouble with my agents and managers because 
I was blowing off auditions and I just was wrapped up into young and in love. You know, you have to got to keep this going, you know, you're doing so well. So eventually I, I tried to balance it out and I would have to take time for myself. I mean, once, you know, once, uh, the Bulls won, you know, their final mm-hmm. win. Um, Dennis came to LA, Los Angeles, and then I really, uh, even though I, we, we still see each other, but not not even as much as when he was in Chicago, um, because I definitely had to focus on auditioning and working sure. and, and taking a little time to myself. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, I know that, uh, and I've definitely been one of those people where you get so enamored at the early part, and then you're like, oh, my God, I still got to be me. So I was really curious, if uh, you know, how you did that with Dennis. Obviously, um, you know, you've had other high-profile re- relationships, of course, a, f- a fan of Dave's uh, work as well. Um, so how did Carmen, through through these, these type of high-profile relationships, how did you – you know, deflect a lot of the negative because there is so much stuff. Like you said, if people, it's if it's in print, they believe that it's truth. And now everyone with the voice on the internet that wants to throw a dagger and say just terrible stuff to people just to get attention mm-hmm. out of negativity. How do you now, after after going through those high-profile relationships, and how is it now that, you know, you just seem like in such a good place where Carmen's happy with Carmen and and life is life is good despite you know we talked about some unfortunate circumstances you you've been through prior to starting the interview but how are you doing it I'm good I I you know I it's just now I see it clearly but sometimes when you're in the storm you know you're you're not sure like it it's it's it was confusing yeah. it was really confusing because um you know, all of a sudden I'm dating someone that's really controversial and now I am equal to that, you know, and I'm not saying that I wasn't a little controversial, but, you know, I, I mean, they would do lists of, I remember there was a list of top, the top 10 bad girls and I was number one over Courtney Love. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, that. (laughs) Come on. I saw Courtney play, you know, when with when she was whole with the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, no, 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 man. (laughs) (laughs) She was a bad girl, and I'm thinking, whoa, how did I beat Courtney? I don't know whether to pat myself on the back for that or like, is that good or bad? (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. Thing, definitely but um and, you know it, it when time passes you look back at things and you go why did i stress so hard yeah you know it, it, there was no point in, in, in stressing over that stuff because it changed you know and my life changed and it's still me i mean you know it's it's added to character yeah it, it you know, it's made me have to dig deep and learn about myself, figure myself out. And, you know, like I said, get back to auditioning and, whoa, in my wildest dreams, I never thought that I would, you know, 
be in so many movies, TV series, and and all that. And it, it's yeah, it's just been it's such a fun ride. But I don't know. I guess I've always been interested in uh, interested in why things happen and just you know the brain and what you know our yeah. thoughts and how some people get can get through anything and they're just you know happy no matter what and and how you know one you know one person saying something negative can like affect me you know yeah, and and, yeah. and why does that affect me and not the other person i mean it's interesting you know you just i think when you when you're in this business you learn a lot about yourself really quick Mm -hmm. I agree. There's, a, you know, this transition from this and, you know, as we told you, we, we primarily speak with, with folks maybe of a, uh, an addiction history and myself. Boy, it is amplified and brought so much shit to the surface for me. It's like, wow, I got to get a thicker skin with myself, mm -hmm. you know, and and uh, speaking of how was it, you know, you obviously did have some relationships with people with addictive behavior or an addiction history. What was that like for you to come in and be involved with that you know did you how did you perceive maybe addiction prior to ever being involved with anyone that had an addictive past i i felt like through love i could help yeah and had this codependency where <clears throat> i would feel like the person in my life that had an addiction needed me mm -hmm. and, and they would have codependency with me as well. And I thought that was love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, All too well. I, I remember with, um, in one, uh, circumstance in my life, uh, a friend of mine said, you, you need to stay with this person and throw their drugs away. You, you have to because this person's going to die. And I took that on and I did it. I would stay up all night and I'm like throwing drugs, flushing stuff, throwing drugs away and, you know, going, going driving to rehab and picking, <laughs> you know, this person up at, you know, two days after rehab and going back and... <clears throat> You know, it was an emotional ride for me, and I was always scared. I was always afraid. Um, this person was, you know, was going to OD, and I took on this responsibility that I have to be there. I, no matter what, I have to be there. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate because it it's so so isn't and wasn't your responsibility. Uh, Carmen, we got a couple of uh, rap, fun rapid-fire questions for you we want to throw out before uh, before we let you go, but uh, yeah, this has just been awesome. You're such a, a, an extraordinary lady, and it's been such a pleasure to for us to have this conversation with you. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> all right, first up, uh, what is a pet peeve? Ooh, One of your pet peeves. Or, Besides or spiders. Besides hey. spiders. Snoring. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm is it? Snoring. I'm a, I'm a light sleeper. I'm Damn a it. very light sleeper. Carmen, I was just going to ask you to marry me, but I snore. <laughs> this would never work. Damn it. 
something you can tape on your face? <laughs> Whatever it takes. Carmen. Whatever, Whatever it, it takes. Okay, uh, I, I got not one. Snore. So yes. <laughs> she. We already agreed on the tape thing. Okay. Okay. Um, if you can have dinner with just one person, living or not living, who would it be? And why? And why? Living. I mean, well, obviously, I'd have to say my mom. Right. Right. Yeah. I Makes lost sense. my mom in my twenties to cancer. <clears throat> right. Definitely my mom. But if we stepped outside of my mom, it would have to be Jimi Hendrix. Or oh, that's a good one. I saw on Instagram you had you 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 took a photo and it was something about the, the hashtag photo haze or something. I'm like, oh, she's a Hendrix lady. Yeah. She's a Hendrix yeah, lady. Yeah, I like Jim Morrison too. Or oh, Prince, you know. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I mean, he's missed. Everyone misses him. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of, if if I can ask, and if it's something you don't want to discuss, if it's if it's too emotional, I've, you know, I've had had relationships. I I have an ex-wife that we're still the best of friends, raise kids, but I've never lost anyone that I loved in a relationship context. How mm-hmm. how did you how did you how do you cope with that? And, and again, if it's too personal and you don't want to discuss then Jason, I'd rather not. We totally respect that. But um, I, I'm just curious from the standpoint of, of, you know, that situation. How do I cope with um, the end of a relationship? Well, I, I mean, you know, having, you know, you spoke about your mom with cancer and, you know, that's oh, tough. Of course, we lose a parent, but then someone that you were in a relationship that then thus has now passed away. Yeah, I my you know it was my mom. You know she had bra- a brain tumor, mm-hmm. and we knew we knew yeah. that her time was coming. Um, so I, I would I would get phone calls. She wasn't really talking, but I would get phone calls from my my dad saying you need to come home right now. And that was that was hard because I was shooting and they didn't want to let me go. But I always worked it out to try to get. You know, come home when, when especially when, you know, they would say that um, my sister passed away within a week from my mom. Right. Oh, goodness. And it, I, I think I was in shock for a long time. Yeah. You know, it was just bizarre. Mm-hmm. It was very bizarre. Uh, my my sister was forty. We knew my mom's time was coming, but <clears throat> so close. How? Yeah, how would I get? How did I get through it? I mean, uh, good question. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously, I was emotional, but I'm so far away. I kind of, I guess, everyone deals with, you know, losing people in a different way. I kind of, pre- not pretended, but I was so far away in LA. Them being in Cincinnati, I kind of to keep going, sure. and keep working. I had to not, kind of block it, block it off, I guess. And I would do things to try not to think about it, right. you know. And that was sort of the, you know, a, a phase with 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 Dennis, um, you know, and where I was drinking a lot and. Um, I remember looking in the mirror at myself and saying, who am I? I don't see, I don't see myself in my eyes. Who mm-hmm. am I? Yeah. And I have, like, you know, I'm like, listen, I, I don't, I can have a casual drink here or there, but, 
but I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't. And that was, that was a hard moment, but I decided to spend some time alone because I was relationship girl. Right. From one to the next. Sounds familiar. You know, long term, but like, you know, engaged or getting married and it, it just, that's just how, you know, it was for me. Um, and I hadn't taken the time to sort of grieve and feel everything. I was watching Oprah, believe it or not. <laughs> and, and Dr. Phil was on at that time. He said, in order to heal, you have to feel. Right. And that clicked. And so I just started bawling. And I cry, I would cry, I cried. I started getting spiritual books. I'd go to this bookstore and just, I, I didn't know, I'd just go to an area and say, this is, guide me to what I need. And I'd pick a book off the shelf, read that book. And then I got in the habit of doing that and going and then working, but I was really, you know, taking care of myself. And, you know, that's, you know, when I came, I, I think, You'll, you'll, you never get over it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's times that you just want to pick up the phone, you know, and call, you know, your loved one that's deceased. It's still a mystery, but uh, they, they want uh, they want the best for us, right. you know? They want the best for us. They don't, you know, want us to go, you know, you, we have a path, right? Yeah. Another one of my favorites is Bob Marley. He has oh, yeah. an amazing documentary that I saw and, and he said, he chose a path. He said, I could have gone this way or that way. And he chose his path. And that, that stayed with me, you know? I can choose my path. Yeah. I can let things, you know, destroy me or I can see it for what it is, grieve it and, you know, keep going on the right path so yeah yeah well thank you thank you for 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 opening up about that uh all right let's see if a movie was made about your life what genre would it be and who would play you oh. i don't know who <laughs> would play me i don't know but hmm. would you be a rom-com i don't think it would be a comedy i don't no I, Okay. I, I, you know, there's moments of comedy. Sure. But I you could play yourself if it was a comedy, because scary movie, that shit still cracks me up. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I first fell in love with you when you were Roxanne and Good Burger. Really? <laughs> That's what I did, yep. And my nephews are going through the exact same thing now, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh so, uh, I mean, I could see maybe because you were really great in uh, the Last Dance, so maybe a documentary would be good—a ten-part series on Carmen. Ooh, right. yeah. You know, I've been asked to uh, to write a book. Uh, awesome. I have a book. It's a fun book that I had put out a while ago. It's called How to Be Sexy to go along with sort of uh, aerobic striptease and my, my workout series and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. I've been asked and I've been holding off a little bit. I, it's, you know, it's something that I have to figure out because, you know, it, it'll be about me. Yeah. 
But I know with some of these companies, they really want you to get in deep with, you know, other, you know, like my relationships or celebrities, yeah. sure. that, you know, play a big role in my life. And, uh, and so it's tricky because I don't know, I, I'll probably do it at some point. But yeah, it, 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 I think people would really be surprised if they saw a documentary about my life. I mean, at one, I remember on Instagram, someone said something to me like, uh, I'm like really into the gram. <laughs> <laughs> and so I read, I read a lot of, almost all the comments and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I think like a different generation thinks that I'm from a, a very wealthy family and yep. maybe live like <clears throat> Hilton. <laughs> No, I mean I'm very independent, and uh, you know I, I work hard, and yeah. you know I, my mom taught me that, and I always wanted to be that and not have to depend on anybody. Yeah, although it would be nice, you know. <laughs> well, we all want, we all want. I think there's a, a difference, don't you? It's like the idea of interdependence. That the you know, I definitely had relationship codependency stuff and, you know, probably played in with my addiction stuff. But the best that was ever put on me is if you have an interdependent relationship, think of it like two train tracks and you and your partner are each walking on your own track, but you're heading in the same direction. And when one of you kind of needs to lean, you can put the hand out and lean against each other. And I was like, shit, why didn't I ever realize <laughs> that sooner? You know, we all want that person. You know, that's yeah. just like there, you know, that's just like that's down with whatever. And it's like no matter how much you're struggling, they're not judging. They listen. You know, they're, they're your sounding board, whatever it is. You know, we all want that. That's Mikey asking you to marry him, you know. So what's kind of cool is that, you know, meeting people um, that are that have been in the program. Um, I think they're doing the steps and working steps. Um, it's, there's, there's some wiseness and spirituality mm -hmm. and in knowing like hey you know and I kind of dig that in order for me to stay sober I can't do this that and the other and communication is a little bit more there I, I to be honest yeah I mean I I I think probably one of the most um, successful relationships I I've had um was with someone that really followed those guidelines and it taught me a lot yeah it taught me a lot about myself and i you know you know i'm not an addict and i you know was able to stop drinking when i wanted to sure um but uh but you can still use those steps in any part of your life yeah and spiritually you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I think everyone should try the 12 steps at least once. So, Carmen, um, tell us what's uh, going on for Carmen now. Where is Carmen headed in the future? you got a lot of great stuff going on. You, you were talking about the, um, the, the I forget the, the title of it exactly, the strip aerobics um, and everything else. What, yeah. what we got going on? Where can people find out more about Carmen? Of course, we follow Carmen on Instagram and Facebook, so you can find that pretty easy by by searching her. But uh, what are the projects? Um, right now, well, you know, the quarantine kind of slowed everything down a little bit. Yes, it um, did. So I have 
a couple shoots, uh, really big shoots that are have been pushed. So just waiting for, you know, hopefully things to slowly come back to normal. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I'm developing my own skincare line and makeup line. Oh, very cool. And this is something I've wanted to do throughout my entire career and never had the chance to do it. Um, I was the face of Max Factor, which was, you know, um, I mean, I was just really, really proud of that because, you know, having a make, you know, representing a makeup line of that status was a really big, big deal for me in my career. Um, but now, sort of what the things that I like, I mean, I've always been a makeup girl and now I'm able to develop it and it's, it, it's, it's been fun and it, it, it's, it's a good time to start working on things, you know, organically. Yeah. I have a really great company I'm working with, so I'm excited. I'm excited to share. That's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. We're excited for you, and there's nothing like enthusiasm. That is, uh, <laughs> it, it's it, no, it is. It's frenetic. You know, it's like when you talk to someone, it's like, "Wow, I don't know anything about that. Tell me about it," because you're passionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing, Carmen, uh, that I that I like to ask folks: if you could talk to your younger self, is there any words of advice that you would want to give your younger self? I would tell my younger self to stop worrying, mm-hmm. stay in the moment, and enjoy, ev- just enjoy everything. We look back at the small things that, you know, got in the way, and they don't mean anything. Yeah. You look back and go, everyone forgot, I forgot, you know? So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say just, you know, stay do what makes you happy. Find the job that makes you happy. Um, live a full life. Live a full life, and be yourself. Yeah, love that. Anything else, Mikey? Carmen, thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us. You're awesome. Thank you. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. Wow, Mikey, that was, uh, I have to say, up there with my most favorite interviews and podcasts we've done thus far. Yeah, I'm texting my doctor as we speak to get rid of this snoring problem so uh, her <laughs> and I can tie the knot and live happily ever after. I was thinking like Carmel or something. We can get married over there. Or she's in SoCal, so... Yeah. Whatever she wants. I honestly don't care. Yeah. Whatever she wants. Whatever she wants. <laughs> Whatever she wants. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a total blast talking with Carmen Electra. Don't forget to follow her on social media. Of course, just search Carmen Electra, and hopefully once things will open up, she'll get some more great projects out there again. And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening uh, to the podcast. Hey, tell a friend. 
Tell a stranger. We don't care. Pass it along. Mm -hmm. Search Knocking Doors Down on all major platforms. That's Apple, Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. You can go to kddmediacompany.com. Find us there. Jump into the archives. There's lots of great episodes about people overcoming their adversities, turning it into their advantage, and doing great work to give back. And uh, that's what this whole mission is all about and we're helping we're helping people so we thank you guys for the listenership the positive feedback and we're going to keep it going because uh, next week who is it lamar odom that's lamar right lamar odom two baby. championships with the lakers we talked to him about not only the incident that took place at the uh, bunny ranch that right, led to right. his very very severe medical issues that could have led to his death and he'll actually go into how there's people saying you might want to read his last rites oh yeah uh, how he's overcome that the uh, positive mentors in his life we touch on his relationship with kobe bryant mm-hmm uh, he gives some real insight there on when Kobe passed and him looking back at the occurrence of what happened at the Bunny Ranch, asking himself, you know, what is my purpose now when, yeah. when this good man that I know was just going to a basketball game with his daughter? Mm-hmm. So it is a lot of touching stuff, and uh, Lamar really opens up to us. So definitely looking forward to sharing that with you yeah, guys. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Anything else, Mikey? That is all, people. All right. We thank you guys very much. Keep knocking doors down. Knocking Doors Down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.